What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast. Brendan Adamo back on the show, and it is Tuesday, November 28th. We got a little bit of a different podcast today. We're going to do our usual in-season pod um, in terms of giving our predictions, but uh, we may go over some of the results, but this is mostly going to be a, uh, a Kyle Kuzma-related podcast in a sense, and maybe that'll extend to some of the other veterans on the team. But before we get into all that, if you guys aren't subscribed to the podcast, please make sure that you do. Rate us five stars, leave us kind review. It really helps us out. All right, so it's been a while since we've talked with you guys. We missed um, about a week and a half so of game predictions and recaps for you guys, so we apologize about that. Just been a little bit difficult with the uh, uh, scheduling side and things, and then we had a, a long holiday weekend, and I wasn't around, and I'm sure, I'm sure Dama wanted to spend time with his family. So um, sorry we weren't able to record with you guys, but uh, hopefully we will be back now on a more consistent basis. But all right. Well, the Wizards still aren't very good. They've lost pretty much almost every game they've been in this year. They are sitting. What are we at? Like three and thir- three and fourteen, something yeah, like that, right now. 14. Yep. Yeah, and the only three teams that we've beaten have been the Grizzlies, the Pistons, and the Hornets, who are just as bad as we are. So uh, nothing groundbreaking. We knew that this was going to be a bad team. Um, it, honestly, we could just go ahead and kind of just skip right through this. Is there anything you want to talk about with any of these games or not really? I mean, it's kind of the same old. Player sucks. Kuzma's been decent. Pool's been bad. Koulibaly shows promise. Then he shows promise. Yada, yada, yada. West terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty much that. Uh, <laughs> I, I do think the, the, the Detroit game was one of the rare games where I felt like uh, West actually called a timeout during a run, an opposing team run, and subbed back in the players who were playing the best game to, to actually try to win it. Um, I, I was really surprised by that. But uh, the, the other games were pretty much the same old, same old. Yeah, the Detroit game specifically, it was nice where the Wizards have been. I feel like they've been having really good first quarters for the most part, and then they kind of die off. And they did win the first quarter again in that Detroit game, but what stuck out the most is the point differential in the third and fourth quarters. I think that they won both of them by um, almost 10 points apiece. So um, good on the Wizards for playing a full game of basketball, albeit it's the Detroit Pistons, but you know they don't control who they play on a night-in and night-out basis. So. Um, good stuff there. Anyway, the reason we are here to talk with you guys today is because there was a tweet that was put out there by our good friend Osmond Bay, uh, who has been on the show a few times. We need to get him back on soon, actually. It's been way too long. Um, but contributor to Bullets Forever, and he put out a tweet. Or in, What do they call it now? Just a post on X? But what's like the technical term for it? I have no idea. Uh... I think I it's just know. post because when post. you retweet it, it's called a repost, right? So you would think it's just a post. That's so boring. Anyway, I'm going to call it a damn tweet. Um, basically just saying that after Kyle Kuzma had the game he did, that his trade value went up. And Kyle Kuzma responded and basically said, like, oh, you, you're trying to trade me now or whatever. And, and, of course, when players take to Twitter, then there's everyone that wants to go back to the player and show the – the outrage or fake outrage, whatever you want to call it. And uh, everyone pretty much came to his defense. And there was a dialogue that pretty much started like, hey, you know, why why would should we be looking to trade Kuzma when he's been a, a solid player, he's good for the locker room, and he's on a really good contract? And I figured I would let you take the first swing at this since I usually am the one that starts – the dialogue on our conversations, but I want to give you a chance to sort of give your take on this first, and then um, I'll chime in after and give my take afterwards. So the floor is yours. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I thought that I thought the tweet was fine. Like it's it's uh, I, I thought Kuzma's response was fine. And hilarious, um, because obviously we know these players care, and you know they kind of 
they kind of after after performances they kind of go search their name and they see what's what's being said about them and i just think that just given some of the context on it like you know he's coming off probably his best game of the season a 30 point near triple double a w um he just he just uh donated a good amount of money from his Kyle Kuzma foundation to uh, some female inmates in his hometown. And you get on Twitter and then you see, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the Wizards, uh, I guess, lead uh, community account basically mentioning your trade value. <laughs> so it, it was just kind of funny. Um, but I don't, I don't really see the big deal behind it. Like, you know, I don't, I don't think Kuz took it uh, any hard way. I don't think, you know, I think some of the fans kind of uh, jump into a corner, ready to fight. And he, on either side of it, I think is a little ridiculous. Like, it's just basketball. Like, it's a business. Guys will be put in trade uh, rumors all year. Literally, the the uh, the league itself thrives off of it. That's why they have trade special shows around January and February. Um, so I, I just don't really think it's that big of a deal. Um, I think it is interesting. I think it's a little early to kind of have the dialogue now. For one, these guys can't even be moved, who specifically, until January 15th because um, he just signed like three months ago. Uh, and just for me... <laughs> I think some of the comparisons I've seen comparing Kuz's situation to Beal, uh, I just don't really see the comparison because it's not remotely the same. It's not even close to the same. Yeah, like like one had a no trade cost and was taking up you know a third of your salary cap, uh, and and Kuzma is on a de escalating contract that isn't even a hundred mil. Um, so for me, it's like okay. Yeah, the Wizards are gonna suck regardless, right? We're 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 aiming for top five picks for probably the next two or three years, right? Um, in that time, uh, I don't think Kuzma being here prevents you from doing that. Uh, I don't think, and I think Kuzma to this point has been a very positive influence on our young players, specifically. Denny, um, who he, he's taken under his wing since he's been here. Um, and you can, you can see it in real time. Like, I think part of why Denny has been much more aggressive playing at the rim has been Kuzma's influence. Um, because they're both 6'9 plus wings who uh, I think thrive best when they're playing inside out. Uh, Kuzma, obviously a better shooter, but but some of those tangible things kind of play into your strengths. You can see it uh, kind of playing out with Denny and Denny having the year he's having now. And I honestly would like to see that continue. I would like to see him do the same thing with Bilal. Um, if we go get another rookie, we get another rookie in here this coming draft, I would like to see Kuzma kind of lead, lead those guys too. Um, I, I don't want this to be kind of like an aimless, a uh, uh, professional AAU team with a bunch of 19 and 20 year olds, no vet leadership, no vet mentorship. And it's looking like kind of how the Rockets looked last year or how the Hornets have looked the last couple of years. Uh, I don't want to see that. So if Kuzma being here on a very uh, cap friendly number, putting up 20 and six uh, is able to, kind of bring the young guys along and show them how to be pros. I'm fine with that because you're still going to suck. Like the, the bill situation was him being here, taking up a third of your cap. You were going to win 35 plus games. You weren't going to be able to draft high. Um, and then you weren't going to be a player in free agency because of his cap number. That to me is not the case with Kuz being here. So it's hard for me to kind of, draw parallels with those two situations for people who want to believe that, oh, well, you got a good asset. You should move them before it's too late, as if there's some kind of like expiration date on Kyle Kuzma 
being a good player over the next uh, six months. Sure. Um, you did bring up something about Kuzma that I did want to touch on as well as something else. Um, first, like you mentioned with the, uh, let me see exactly what this was. I want to make sure I, I get this right. So he donated 60K in clothes to female inmates in Flint, Michigan. And he quoted it and said, for women re-entering society. And for some odd reason, people still took issue with this. And I know this is one of those things where, like, you can't please anyone. And I'm not going to sit here and make this political or whatever. But it is not my personal belief that inmates or people that get arrested for something one time or another does not make it that they don't deserve these types of things and that they don't deserve, you know, love and respect, like, any other citizen. And again, these women are reentering society. At least that's what he made it seem like with his quote. It's not like they're child murderers or um, offenders of other sorts, you know? So I appreciate that he went out of his way to do something like that because I feel like not a lot of athletes would, would do that. They would usually probably just do like a food drive or, um, you know, something for kids, which is fine. I'm not saying that that's not cool. It's all fine and dandy. However, these players choose to donate the money. The, the fact that they're choosing to do it at all is a blessing, and I'm sure it's a godsend for a lot of these families in one way or another. But um, I think it was pretty unique that he went out of his way to help contribute to adults that are – attempting to be rehabilitated. So again, like he said in the quote, a tweet that can come back to society. And I think that um, that means a lot, you know, it's, it's extremely important because I think all the time we talk about kids and how the generations seem to be getting worse and worse. Well, you know, what'll help that is um, adults who know how to behave and there's something to be said for, you know, and I don't know if any of these, you know, inmates say, I'm not saying all of them are parents or, Mothers, in this case, we're talking about women. But the more better adults we have in society, then naturally you would think that the better the kids will be in the future. So um, I appreciate Kuzma for his effort there. Is there anything you wanted to add to that before we go on to the, the next thing? I want to get on to the Miles Bridges tweet after. Yeah, no, no, I had nothing else. Okay. Miles um, Bridges tweet. So this... <laughs> I really honestly don't see what's wrong with this either. All he said, um, Miles Bridges made a, a quote after one of the games against the Wizards, and he said, um, it was a big-time play, especially going up against my childhood friend, Kyle Kuzma. Special moment like that. Special moments like that is why I love the game of basketball. And that's all he said. That's all Miles said. Um, and Kuzma quote-tweeted that because someone, a, a reporter, I guess, said, tweeted out the, the clip of that, and Kuzma said, special moments, fam. Always love matching up against you too, my brother. That's all he said. That is not an endorsement of what Miles Bridges did or anything like that. It is strictly from a basketball perspective. They've obviously known each other for a long time, and again, I'm, I'm just not sure where people had the issue with what Kuzma said here. And it's, again, it's not like it's an endorsement of whatever he did and whatnot, the matter of the fact is they had a game against each other. And for Kuzma and Miles each, I'm sure, it's, it's a special moment for them from a basketball standpoint. And so, again, I'm just not sure how people – again, it's just one of those things where you can't please everybody. Something that these athletes do is always just going to irritate somebody somehow. But he's been in the news a lot recently for little stuff like this where all he's doing is spreading positivity – and people are trying to turn it into this negative narrative. Yeah, I, just, I, I really don't pay that type of stuff no mind. I mean, there's always going to be somebody with an opinion uh, on something that really just don't matter in the grand scheme. Um, you know, if he wants to uh, uh, give, a, give a, a basketball take on a fellow NBA player, I don't really see what the issue is. And that's um, all it comes down to. <laughs> like, 
in the grand scheme, like <laughs> he's not going to be the person that decides whether or not Miles Bridges uh, is held accountable for the things he's been uh, described as doing. So what the hell does it matter? Um, you know, and obviously Kuzma is not participating in those those things because we would have heard about it about it by so I you know like I said in the grand scheme it does not matter no it doesn't and it's just a shame too with um you know a guy who chose to come back to DC and I feel you know both of them like him and Jordan Poole have both been in the media a lot this year and it's like all for like all of a sudden we're getting all this attention for no yeah. reason, when no one's even trying to fish for attention at all. Jordan Poole has just been minding his business, and I know that he hasn't been playing well, but he's still in the news every day and on tweets from accounts like the Hate Central and um, Hate Hater Report and whatever else is out there. And it's just like, Jesus, man, like you guys cut this break. They were attacking him in a game in which he didn't even play. And it's like, why are well, yeah, the Wizards... I mean, you got you to think, though, you got to know, though, that, you know, Jordan Poole drives clicks. Like he has a real, he has a huge fan base, huge fan base coming from, you know, from Golden State, uh, winning a championship with those guys. Like the pool party is huge, man. Like, it's kind of like Russell Westbrook's fan base, uh, in, in certain aspects. And he's a player that drives click because either you're checking to see what his his fans are going to say, or you're 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 checking to 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 antagonize his fans because you know they're going to defend him. So it's like like I, I had a tweet that went went viral, almost four million views for something that was just a simple joke. Um, when he was like paying, he was he was concentrated on the playbook, and I just jokingly said, you know, cyberbullying works because everybody was jumping on him about the video with him looking like he wasn't paying attention to Wes on the, on the sideline. Right. And then it's just like that engagement is what some people I think are trying to, uh, chase in bad faith. Cause like you said, he, he didn't even play and they made a tweet about pool and they knew he didn't play, but they made that tweet anyway. Cause they figure, Oh, if I say something about pool, it's going to get clicks. Right. And you know, Twitter has kind of incentivized that 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 garbage now, anyway. So, uh, th- prepare to see more of it. <laughs> That's like the the running joke there now is uh, rents do because of the engagement. I guess you know, oh, they get paid to tweet and yeah. So, oh, let me let me let me put up a pool tweet, and hopefully, I can get some 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 views, some followers, and I can get get a nice little paycheck. Right. And like, I'm not going to sit here and act like Poole has played well this year because he hasn't. It's been pretty atrocious. But um, I mean, come on, let's let's try and like get us out of the news. There's plenty of other teams to and players to talk about right now, other than a, a young player who's trying to find his way on a new team. Jesus. Anyway, uh, back to Kuzma. So my stance on the whole. First of all, Oz didn't tweet anything wrong. What he stated was probably a fact is that his trade value, d- depending on how teams already had viewed him, it-, it only could have went up from there based on that performance. And that is all he said. He wasn't saying, go ahead and trade him tomorrow. He wasn't saying, ship him at the deadline. He was saying that his trade value went up. And the reason he said that his trade value went up is because we are a struggling team and we are on no path to be a winning team anytime soon. So... Typically, when you're in those situations, the the veterans that you have that may not necessarily be on your timeline or in your plan for the long term, then it would be a good idea to turn those players into draft picks so you can have more cracks at finding players that fit your timeline. That is all that Oz was trying to say. And I think Kuzma replying wasn't so much... Serious, like I think it was probably more of like, and I think maybe Will Will Clayton was saying the same thing. I think it's like fifty fifty, where it's like kind of like, hey, like I just had a good game. Why, why, why are you saying that? And also just like joking around because I'm sure he does have that awareness of like, yeah, the team sucks, and if they were to trade me to a better team where I could go compete for a championship, I mean that that's probably a realistic scenario. I mean, is it not that that it seems it's realistic, right? So. 
I think it was a little bit of a 50-50. But of course, the the and I put this in our group chat, everyone wants to put the fake armor on and go to defend the player because what the players say is always is always right. And um, you know, and, and, and again, I just think that when we're in a situation like we are, like we could win. How many games did you say we're gonna win this year at this point? Man, if we win twenty, it's it's that's a miracle. Um, okay, let's call it eighteen. Look, yeah. just, we're, just, we're just throwing a number out there. Just eighteen. We can win eighteen games with or without Kyle Kuzma. So sure. if that if that's the case, then it would probably be smart to move on from him and again bring in more assets to where you can help find more players that'll fit your timeline that can fit around Denny and Koulibaly. And if you want to keep Gafford, Kispert, Johnny, whatever, the young guys, the key young guys, and make them grow together so that by the time they get to 26, hopefully it doesn't take that long, you know, 25, 26 years old, then they're ready to rock and roll and be a playoff team like how we saw in 2014. And maybe you build some of those picks, you have enough young foundations, then you can then reflip those picks to bring veterans then that complement your star young players. Again, that's kind of like the ideal formula that makes the most sense, at least for me. And that's not saying go Russian trade Kyle Kuzma, just like Oz wasn't saying that. That's not what the implication is. But if you can get a really good deal... And I think this actually helps the Wizards because of the contract that Kuzma's on. Because if the Wizards decided to keep Kuzma throughout the entire contract, let's say we progress the soft season and or like a borderline play-in team next year, then mm-hmm. he could be a real asset to that team and he's still on a valuable contract. So the fact that he's on the contract that he's on will only help increase his value because the Wizards aren't in any rush to get off of it. Jordan Poole might be a different story. But in terms of Kyle Kuzma, there, there is absolutely no rush to get off this contract, which means that if a deal were to happen, that it would probably be something around the line of two draft picks and maybe a young player on a rookie deal, and you have to take back some salary in return. What, would anyone object to that? I don't think so. I think that even, even the staunchest of Kuz supporters, I don't think would object to that. I don't right. think Kuzma would object to that. <laughs> If it's an opportunity for him to get to a contender. Right. Like, and why would you want to stay on a team that's on pace to win less than 20 games? If you can get some, say, if you can get to a, a team in California that has an opportunity to be a top four seed, <clears throat> Sacramento Kings, <clears throat> why, why would you pass up that opportunity? Um, but I think, I think my point to it and just overall is just, we got time. Like, right, exactly. Like I said, he, Kuz is not even eligible to be traded until the 15th of January. And beyond that, I don't even think you would see your best offers until June. So it's, it's, it's around draft time when everybody knows where they're going to be picking. When you get there on draft day and a deal could be had. Um, so, I, to me, I just think it's a little premature to be having a conversation. Um, now, these guys that are on one-year deals that expire, oh, we could talk. That conversation could be had right now. Like, because as soon as they are eligible to be traded, it's some guys that need to be moved because we know for a fact it makes no sense for this Wizards team to re-sign them beyond their expiring deal this season. Um, right. But Kuzma, to me, it's like because his number is so manageable, at the at the at the production he's giving you, whether they trade him June sixteenth, I mean January sixteenth, or hold on to him for another eighteen months, I don't think it really matters. Um, and 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 in and in some instances, depending on how this goes or what the front office does, you could extract more value by holding on to him, because like I say, the number de-escalates. And his number, you could you could potentially have a Kyle Kuzma getting better as his salary gets deeper. Right. I mean, when this is all said and done, we could get better value back for Kuzma by himself than we got for Beal and Porzingis combined. If 
Kuzma yeah, keeps playing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think that's kind of like the gamble that you have to consider when having this conversation is like if he puts together like a real mean streak, let's say in December and the early parts of January or even in February as we get closer to the deadline, because maybe if you're trying to hold out for the best offer, maybe you just hold out until the deadline where someone gets desperate in the last 10, 15 minutes or so. Um, but I mean... To me, if you get good enough value back this year to move him, then you should. But like you said, and like I was saying earlier, I mean, I'm saying myself, like because of the way his contract is structured and what he means to this team, like you're saying, they have time. And that's not what Oz wasn't implying. That's not what he was trying to say. All he was simply saying was that his trade value probably went up after that game. And is that entirely untrue? No, I mean, I, I no. didn't think the tweet was in bad faith. It's not like he's like, all right, Kuzma played one good game. He's asked most of the time, let's pack him up and get him out of here. That's not what he's saying. Oz likes Kuzma. So it's not, I think everyone likes Kuzma. I don't think there's much Wizards fans that dislike him. And the only ones that are saying uh, trade him is because we're rebuilding. I, I would say there is, a, there is a section of the fan base that did not I, want well, him back. Look, let, but, is, but would you say that's is, more because there's also of, another section of the fan base that did not think he could get better at age 26? But, I would say that the people that didn't want him back, like myself, because I didn't, it's more political and because of where the organization is at rather than the, the talent in person that he is, at least for me personally. I think a lot of the people that didn't want him back, which are that same sentiment. Of course, there's going to be parts of the fan base that doesn't like him again. You can't please everybody. But I feel like for the majority of the realistic and knowledgeable Wizards fans are happy that he's back and happy that he's in a Wizards uniform. But also with that comes the realization that we are in a rebuild. They're not going to call it that, but that's what we're in. And again, the matter of the fact is that when you have good players like this, that are on desirable contracts for other teams, if a good enough offer comes around, then you should probably capitalize on that because it may hurt a little bit more in the short term, obviously, but it'll be much better in the long term. And what have Will Dawkins and Michael Winger been consistent about from day one? They are building this for the long term. They are in no rush. We've seen that with, I think even Kuzma re-signing would signify that. It doesn't mean they're trying to win. It's just they want to keep adding good and quality yeah. players to the locker room and the court. And again, if a good enough opportunity comes to where you can move Kuzma, it's manageable. They re-signed Denny because he's a young player and he's going to get better. They drafted Koulibaly because his athletic traits were off the chart. And if he can just figure out his offensive game, even at an above average level, he's going to be a real player in this league. They're taking the long-term yeah. approach with this. Proper, it's proper asset management. Honestly, um, they're doing with Kuzma kind of what I had suggested them to do with KP. You know, if you could get him back on a reasonable number and he's playing at an all star level, well, now he's under cost control, under cost control on a decent contract, and then you can get value for him. But instead, we kind of just like we just got to get him out of here. And you kind of took pennies. You didn't kind of. You took pennies on the dollar because you basically traded an all-star level big man for a backup point guard. And that's what I don't want to happen with a Kyle Kuzma because that, to me, would be something that affects your, your, your ability to add talent on this team. Oh, it'll affect the rebuild. Um in a negative way, if we don't get good return. Like, I don't want to trade Kuzma for, you know, two seconds in an expiring contract. Like, I feel like we should be getting some real uh, uh, equity back in moving him, like a real first-round pick. You know, something possibly top 25, top 20, where you can you can get a legitimate player. I don't want something that's like, you know, 25 protected 10 years from now. That's not, that's basically nothing to me. Right. Um, like we're not I think saying, they should be, 
we're not saying like go trade Kyle Kuzma for Chris Duarte, a protected first round pick and a 2027 second round pick. That's not what we're saying. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, like if they did something like that, I, I the, that would raise an eyebrow for me. Um, but, but like I said on Twitter earlier, like I, I trust Dawkins to get this right. Um, and and I think it's multiple paths they could go to do that. There's some where they get rid of Kuz, you know, after this year or, you know, at the draft. Or there's some there's scenarios where I could see where he stays beyond this year. And they're still able to add adequate talent. Right. But to me, ultimately, and this is this this goes the case when Tommy was here. The most important part of this whole thing is hitting on the draft pick. Yeah. Like that's what it's like Bilal, I think we got one with that. They still need more time, but I think they got one with that. This 24 and 25 pick, I would say from, from yeah, 24, 25, and 26. Out of those three picks, they're going to have to hit on at least two of them. They're going to have to hit on two players. Um, and we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, shit, they could, they could trade Kuzma. They could keep Kuzma. They could trade Kuzma. If they miss on these picks, this shit don't matter. So that that's just where I'm at with it. Yeah, no, I I 1000% agree. And again, if if they decide to keep Kuzma throughout the entirety of his contract, I'm not going to care because he's a good player, he's a good dude, and he's not killing our cats. I don't care. If they want to keep him through the 4 years, that's fine, but as a fan who tries to understand the the team and how the league works and how teams truly get better, it is my under, well, it is my belief that with the situation that the Wizards are in, they would be better off trading him if the right deal is available. That's that's just where I stand on it personally. People might philosophically disagree. That's fine. But I just thought the, the amount of slander that Oz got for just tweeting a simple fact without any implication of what should happen with him and because yeah. a player responded, then everyone ran with it and started attacking him and saying all bullets forever is trash Oz doesn't know how the team works this and that and it's just like I just like guys just settle down Oz think, is one I of the most knowledgeable of fans like, have, dude. I think part of it is just you know because of the situation and the Wizards have been in over the last 30 plus years right I would say outside of Wall and, and Gil it's hard to really appreciate some of the players that come here that, that play well because we're always in a state of flux here because <clears throat> we don't draft well. So then we got to pay vets to come here and play. <clears throat> and it's like, if they play well, then it's like, well, shit, we need to trade them because if we pay them too much, then they might get hurt or, or something might happen and then we're stuck with it. And we're always in this state of flux. So it's like, we never can really just appreciate a player that's having a productive season that's kind of kind of just gotten better as a player in a Wizards jersey and just appreciate it for what it is because we're always trying to move to the next thing because we ain't won a championship <laughs> since 78. Right. Since 78. So it's, you can't really uh, uh, invest in a player here because it's like, uh, damn, it's like, ah, shit, if we pay him, then, then he going to get hurt. And if and if if we don't trade them now, then we're not gonna get some picks and value so that we can go uh, add some more young talent that we never seem to hit on in the draft. So it's just like I'll be glad when we kind of get to a point where we got a core foundation group of guys, and you know I can go out here and buy some jerseys and be confident that they'll be in that jersey for a long time. That's why I only got the only person's jersey I considered getting, and I got it for those of you that saw it, but the only person's jersey I got is Koulibaly, and that's it. Because I think that that's the only one, for sure, that's going to be Will Dawkins' baby. They're just not going to go ahead and pack him up out of here. So that's the only one I felt safe with. Uh, going back to, to one of your points here, like in, in terms of like not appreciating – um, players that you know just are, are good in Wizards jerseys, like you say, because we're so eager to move off of them. Um, in hindsight, let's let's 
play this out. The reason I think we could be seeing that extreme of it now um, is because how many years were we saying move off of Beal while you can get a lot of first-round picks for him? How many people were saying move off Porzingis while you could probably get a pick for him? How many people were saying last year move off Kuzma while you can get something for him? And now where does that put us? And we're not in the worst spot ever, but the point is, is while you can maximize someone's value, you should probably go ahead and do it. Now, Will Dawkins and Michael Winger didn't have the option to do that with Kuzma because he was a free agent. Um, and they got what they could get with Porzingis after moving Beal. They got what they could get for Beal. That's a wash. Porzingis was just a fallout, and they said, okay, we're going to try and be nice to you. Um, here's what we got lined up. Let me know what you want, and we'll work something out. They did what they could do there. You could argue that they should have tried and kept him. I don't think entirely that that was up to them. It was probably more up to Porzingis who wanted the move, yeah, and, that's, and that's fine. Go. And that's fine. That's totally fine. But the point is, is that if Tommy Shepard had been proactive about this years ago, last year even, we wouldn't be in this situation right now, and we'd probably be a lot better off. Because as you can see, the players are no longer here. So what's the difference in the roster if you let them go last year at the deadline and then now we're in the same damn boat. Only the difference is we have better draft picks and more of an identifiable future right now. And I think that that's, that's just the main point is we're tired of not being proactive and being reactive because we dealt with the reactive under Ernie Grunfeld. We dealt with the yeah. reactive under Tommy Shepard and we just want someone who's going to get ahead of the ball. And try would you, to be would you feel that way? Would you would you feel that way if if Jalen Williams was on this team instead of Johnny Davis? Because I, I think part of what exacerbates that point is the fact that you don't have a single like building block talent from the previous regime. And so then you look and you say, Well shit, we could have traded Bill for this. Or we could have traded KP for this. And it's like, for me, I'm like, you had the opportunities to get that talent. You just missed. I think so, what makes so it. So now it's kind of like, all right, because you missed in the draft, now let's look to see what we could have got for our vets, the, the actual talent we did have to bring us back something to kind of make up for those misses. And I'm, I'm of the mind of just like, you, you got to hit in the draft. Like, because if Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Williams are on this team, I don't think we crying about what we got for Beal or what we got for KP. We really wouldn't care. Right. And again, it's a timeline thing, though. And like you said, it goes back to the draft. But obviously, that has nothing to do with Michael Winger and Will Dawkins now because right. this is the first draft that they've had. And let's compare the Kuzma and Porzinga scenario to the Nene and Gortat. We brought those guys in after we saw that Wall and Beal were legit and Otto was decent enough, right? And so you sprinkle in another cost controllable like Kelly Oubre in there and then you try and put solid veterans around them because you know that the young players can get you there. You just need some veterans to help close games, to help give you that situational basketball. We're not in that situation right now because we don't, have and have, we don't even have an identical young player that we can say is going to be a star player. We would hope that Bilal will inch there, but we're probably not going to know until another couple seasons or so, being realistic about it. And so by then, you got Kuzma, who will have a year or two left on his deal, and it's maybe he is hurt. Maybe his play has declined. He will be two, two three years older. You could be proactive about it now while he's still in his upper 20s. He's in the prime of his career, and you could get a decent haul back. And I think that's the point. And to your point as well, because I think we're kind of saying the same thing here. It's just a timeline thing. And again, if we had better younger players who were more established, maybe like a couple of years in their, into their career, so you can look at tangibly and say, okay, this team maybe can make a playoff push, then that's where you say, okay, instead of trading these guys away, since we have Kuzma on a good contract, we have Denny on a good contract, we have Gafford on a good contract, you have Bilal, you have another young player or two that you can say is going to be a part of your future going forward, then instead of trading guys away, you say, what can we package maybe with a pick or two 
And what legit other player can we bring in here to help get this team to, to being a legit playoff contender? Not dissimilar to what the Cavs tried to do. And that's oh, the right, formula. Right. That's the formula for me. And that's what the Wizards did. That's exactly what the Wizards did when it came time for them to make the playoffs. They stacked up on vets after they identified their young core. But we don't have the young core identified. And when you don't have the young core identified, then you need to grab more ammo to have more opportunities to identify and draft said young talent. So you know what you have to, to work with going forward. And right now, we just don't know. We think that Bilal is going to be a really good player. We think that Denny's going to continue to get better, but you don't know. It's not eye-popping like Wall and Beor. It's different. Yeah. I, I feel like at this, at this current stage, it's such an infancy. Like, we're, we're two years away from two years away. Right. Like, I, I look at a team like the Orlando Magic, right? Like, they have uh, uh, Franz Wagner and, and uh, Paolo Pantero. Right, as two like blue chip building block players. It took them how many drafts to get to that? Like they've been bad know, for they, years. They, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like like how many drafts have they been picking in the top, you know, top ten, top seven? Um, you know, it's been a it's been a while, man. I feel like the magic have been rebuilding for <laughs> since the White Howard got traded to the Lakers. Um, and it's just like, I don't want that to be the case here in DC, but, but the Wizards are a long way away. Like we got, we got a lot of talent we need to add. And I think, and that's why I think the conversation around Kuzma is valid because he is 28, right? And then the, the, by the time this Wizards team is competitive again, Kuzma is going to be maybe what, 31? And it's like at that point, are you getting? Are you if you're selling off on him? Are you getting max value? Right. But that's why I was saying on the flip, you know, if they decided to go the other direction. I think because his contract is so good, if you decided to keep him and kind of let him be the Nene to your John Wall or the Gortat to your uh, your John Wall or Bradley Beal, you uh, you you draft. I'm okay with that too, because if if you go if you ship them out, get an asset, then say you get those poor foundational pieces here via the draft, but then you're gonna have to go back out into the to this new market for veterans, and you're gonna have to spend a lot more money to get that vet here than you would what Kuzma's contract is right now on a de-escalating twenty per year contract. Um, you're gonna have to do with the the, the Rockets did, and they spent what forty million on a 20, 29 year old Fred Van Vliet, and, and how much did they give Dylan Brooks? Probably too much. I mean, they overpaid. I think they gave him what eighty million. Yeah, they overpaid for sure. But it's like, I mean, but you have to. You're gonna have to, right? Because exactly, what, what's the incentive for a vet to come to uh, a young rebuilding team? Over going to the Lakers, the Heat, you know, the the Mavs. What's the incentive? It's going to be the money. Right. And I think, honestly, I don't think that there's a right or wrong answer to this topic that we've been discussing. I think it just comes comes down to, like, philosophical belief and what each individual, meaning fans or analysts or whatever, think the appropriate action is to take. For me personally, again, I don't... If the young players were more legit, like if Denny was a 18 point per game, eight rebound, five assists a game type player, and if Bilal Koulibaly next year was averaging close to 25 and five, I'd say, you know what, let's keep Kuzma and let's see what else we can fish around for in the league to add to those guys. But right now, we just don't know that. So again, and like you were saying, maybe that's incentive to hold on to him and then you evaluate next year because what's really going to be like that? It's not going to be that big of a difference with this trade value. Probably he'll be one year older, and if anything, his contract will be a little bit cheaper. So yeah, and he yeah. might be better. He might right, be better. right. So maybe if the young guys keep developing throughout the rest of the year and they get good enough, and 
you know, you can look at it two ways. Well, if the young guys are good enough, we can ship out the teacher or you keep the teacher and say, now let's add to this. But I think it just depends on, do they think that they can be legit contenders? Because Michael Winger has said himself, and, I, and you know, he didn't exactly say this, but what is implied is we're not going to be satisfied with being a play-in or a 7-8 seed. At least that's the vibe that I get. So I, I think that unless they're going to be legit playoff contenders, that the trade talk is always going to be there for some of these veterans to help you bring anything in. Maybe not specifically with Kuzma, but again, like you were saying earlier, maybe it's Landry Shamit because to be honest, he's taken minutes away from Johnny Davis and I and Corey Kispert, and I don't like it. Um, yes, Delon Wright. On, and again, is, he's on a what? How, how many years left on Shamit deal? I think three. Two? Right? It's three. It's either two or three. I don't know. Damn. Either way, it's friendly enough to where other teams would take it back, right? So I mean. Um, DeLon Wright can go today. Gallinari can go today. Mike Muscala can, not that you're going to get anything from Muscala. I'm just, I'm just, I'm naming veterans. They could go today. None of them face me. The only veteran that they should consider keeping around is Kuzma. And that's because he is a legit factor. And that's it. Mm, so, so Shamit deal was really kind of like a one-year deal. He's on the last year of it because. Uh, next year is not guaranteed beyond June 29th. So if they decided to, sh- to just cut him before then, it's not guaranteed. That'd be attractive to me as a contender because then that's either a trade piece that you can use next year to bring in someone else or it's someone you can cut if you realize you don't want to keep him. Yeah, and then after that, it's a club option. Yeah. So, you know, at most, it's it's this year and next year uh, on that deal. So, yeah, that's, that's an attractive deal. It's only 11 mil. Yeah. Well, I think that just about does the the Kuzma conversation. It's definitely, again, I don't think that there's necessarily a right or wrong answer with this. And I appreciate the dialogue that's been going um, on Twitter in regards to the the trade talk and whatnot. But please, cut Oz and Bullets Forever a break, man. You're just tweeting the the damn fact. I just just hate the the, the heroes and villains thing that – what Twitter becomes sometimes, like you know, it's, it's just an it's corny, man. It's corny. It's, a, it's an opinion, though. like it's okay. Life goes on. <laughs> like, yeah, you're gonna get off this app and you're gonna live your life regardless of what opinion somebody has about Kyle Kuzma. Right. Um, so it, it just it is what it is. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like I said, I feel like because of his contract being so good, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. And I don't typically marry myself to any philosophy outside of getting it right on draft day. Beyond right. that, you got to kind of do what works for your situation. Right. Uh, everybody's situation is different. Everybody's market is different. So you got to move accordingly to what's best for your franchise. And so right. it's more than one way to skin a cat. I mean, championships have been won so many different types of exactly, ways. Exactly, exactly. So... You got to just kind of be a student of the game, uh, a historian of the game, and move accordingly. And, and I, like I said, I trust Dawkins to do that. Like, he seems very astute on identifying prospects, knowing tendencies around the league, where the league is going, just by how he talks. So I'm, I'm anxious to see where, where we go, what this team looks like two or three years from now. When you look at the teams that were, let's think about all the competitive teams recently that come to mind. The, the Nuggets, the Bucks, um, the Warriors. Where did all of it start for those guys? It started in the draft. Right. And you can look at all the trades that they made to bring in some other star-level players and whatnot or bring in some really high-level role players. But it all started in the draft. The Warriors drafted Draymond, Stephen Clay. The Bucks drafted Chris Middleton and Giannis. The Nuggets drafted Jokic and Murray. Like, and, that's and where it starts. Like a, it's a non-top five pick. <laughs> right. Like, I still ain't figured out. I, I, I still think, even now, the last top five pick to win a championship with the team that drafted him is... Kyrie, 
and he did it with ne- with LeBron coming back to the Cavs. Right. And that's what I was going to say is it's like, and maybe it's not, I'd have to go back and think, but I think it's pretty rare whenever you have situations. Again, if it's not LeBron coming to your team or there's a mega trade where you're able to pull off something um, for Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen, it's like how how many times, like th- those are such few and far between opportunities and with the CBA rules now and stuff and how trade value works now, that stuff just isn't going to happen anymore. And even when the attempts are there, like the Nets, like we're seeing with the Clippers now, not to necessarily shit on James Harden necessarily, but it just doesn't work anymore. The league is too good. The league wasn't as talented as it is now 10 years ago. It's a, it's a lot of talent, man. And I, I just love all of the kind of these new blood teams kind of popping up and showing that, you know, that they can, they can, they're ready, they're ahead of schedule. You know, the Magic in the East, the Pacers, uh, and then in the West, you got, you know, the Thunder. I think the Thunder, they the number two seed in the West right now. Are they really? Um, look at that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and obviously, like the Kings, what they were able to do last year now, you know, they're kind of building on that. Uh, again, it's like, you better get it right in the draft, man, because that's, that's, where, that's where it's at. It's the draft, the draft, the draft. So, uh, like I say, I'm, I'm glad we finally got a real front office and brain trust in here that, that values the draft and is very, very serious about it. Because here, if you hit in the draft, it literally doesn't matter what you do. Because if you miss on trading for a guy, then it's like, oh, well, we have the fallback on the draft. We know we're going to draft a good player. Um, if you and have more cracks control. at the pick. Right. And if you have when more you, cracks you gotta at the When you got to go pick, get other people's talent, it costs you more. Every time. Right. Every single time. Because right. they're older. You know, the, the, the way the cap rules are, you know. You get more if you're more years in the league. Like the draft is just the best way to get cheap talent that overperforms their contract. So you should be pouring everything into that, unless you're like, like I say, the Lakers or the Heat. <laughs> right. I mean, not a lot of people are going to outperform a thirty, thirty-five million dollar contract. It's, it's much easier for players to outperform when they're making. And less than 10 mil. Right. Basically making the MLE and lower. Right. And that's how you create value because other teams are going to want that. But again, you got to draft well. Got to, man. All right. Um, remaining games this week. We play the Magic twice. Magic currently are the number two seed. In the East, sitting at 12 and 5, which I, I couldn't believe my eyes just looking at that. Um, <laughs> let me see what they're. Be Boston and Denver back to back, too, man. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, their projected starting five is Anthony Black, Jalen Suggs, Franz Wagner, Apollo Bancaro. And I think that um, Wendell Carter is out right now. So they've been starting Doga Bataze. Yeah, because that, uh, yeah. Yep. Um, Former Pacer. We usually have a lot of luck against the Magic, but I think that we lose both of these, man. Jamal Mosley's got these boys playing real well. Um, they got a lot of guards that can get up and down the floor. Paolo Bancaro is one of the best, most spectacular young talents in the league. We hope that Koulibaly can get there, um, but he's obviously not right now. and. For these reasons, I'm going to have the Magic winning both these games on Wednesday and Friday. I am too, but I love this matchup specifically because I look at Paolo and I see kind of like like him and Kuz kind of play a similar style, the way they attack on the floor. And then Franz to me is kind of like the... (laughs) The uh, I don't know um, what's the what's the word the supersized version of Denny like like if Denny ever got to like all star caliber you know type level I think mm-hmm. he looks a lot like what Franz does 
Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm interested to see those those group of wings kind of match up, and then Bilal, how he fits in there against some of their other wings they have, um, like a Anthony Black, for instance, like getting that matchup. Um, I'm I'm interested to see it, uh, and I, I think it could be competitive if if Wes actually coaches the game. If he's gonna do the whole index card thing, they're gonna get blown out. It'll be over by the third quarter. But if he actually coaches, takes timeouts when necessary, rides the high hand, um, I think I think these games could be competitive. Um, real quick, do you want to do? I, we haven't really talked in a little bit. Um, do you want to touch on Jordan Poole really quick? Sure. Um, what have you made over his performances the last couple of weeks? Just like based off the eye well, test, I, mean, I know we have the numbers. The numbers are not good. First off, there's no number no. that you look at that's going to be good of his. But none of them, none of the numbers are good. Um, I, his before he got injured, with I think what, what was he got? What did he have? An ankle or something? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, left yeah, ankle. So, so his three games, his his three games prior to sitting out. With the ankle issue, he was averaging like 26, 4 and 4, something like that. So he was starting to kind of get his, his confidence up. Even though the efficiency wasn't where you wanted, he seemed more aggressive in, in trying to get to his spots, um, which I, I kind of want to see. Uh, but I, I just think overall, it's just an, it's an adjustment period. Um, I, so I forgot who put out the, the article on it, but it was. It was some quotes from from Wes Unsell talking about him and just the adjustment, and it was it was kind of similar to what I was speaking on. It's just like you know you got a twenty four year old leaving a situation where he was the fourth option. You know he's coming mm-hmm. off the bench. He's playing with three other Hall of Famers, some of the best shooting in the ever. That's going to be different than coming to here the Wizards where you don't have that. Um, we don't have the best shooting ever. Uh, and the scouting report is set to stop you. So it's going to be an adjustment period. He's going to have to learn how to deal with double teams and, and, and deal with the scouting report going out to take away his what he wants to do every night. And so for me, I kind of look at it the same way I looked at when, when Kuz kind of first got here and was kind of trying to find his way and where does he fit on this team as a go-to guy. The first 35-ish games were rough for him. And, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, pack him up, get him out of here. Oh, you know, he's not a piece, right? And then all of a sudden, the next year, he gets – he it clicks. You know, in January, it clicks for him. Uh, then the following year, he builds on that. And then we were having debates on, can he keep it up? Can he keep it up? And now this year, he's having a career year. I just think I just think some of this stuff, man, it just takes time. And in Pooh's case, I'm willing to give him that grace because he's only 24 years old. If he was 28 years old, I'd be like, look, this this just who he is, man. Like, I don't really see no no path forward, with dude. But he's 24, man, and I just I can't I can't with a straight face sit up here and be like, oh, 24 year olds can't get better, can't adjust. Um, especially when they're in a whole new environment, new coach, new team, new system. Um, I-, I think he just needs some more time, man. Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched a lot of the full games recently, but I did watch the Bucks one all the way through, and I thought that even though he shot like garbage, like he's been doing pretty much every game, but he's trying to be aggressive and work on that Florida game. He was trying to get to the paint almost every time he touched the ball. And to me, like, as long as the thought process is there, I think that that's a good first step for him into being the player that we hope that he can be. And I know that we've been really hard on him to start the season and because I think that we expected a little bit more than what we've gotten so far. But, again, I think it's just one of those things where, like you said, it's just going to take time and he's still trying to get adjusted to his role. That's not to say for sure that he's going to get much better than this, because to be honest, he may not. Um, but I, I think that, but I, I think that once his mindset is in the right place on a consistent basis, then that's where you'll start to see the numbers trend in the right direction. But until he has built those good habits and starts displaying those good habits, 
then you know how they say the game punishes you and the game is going to continue to punish him if he continues to do some of the bonehead stuff and some of the bad shot selection that he takes. So when he, if he plays the right way on a consistent basis and gets more comfortable with that, then that's where I think you'll start to see an uptick in the numbers and the percentages. Yeah, I, I think there's some things he uh, he can do himself to kind of make it easier transition for him. Like I, I I think he needs to simplify his game, take the easy play. Like like the, the clip that had been making his rounds with him against Detroit, where he he made a move, he did like a little step back, kind of pushed the arm bar out and got the defender. The defender kind of flew out of bounds, and he had a nice little fifteen foot midi pull up. And instead of taking that, he tries to, to do like a little scoop jelly layup. And then Oscar has enough time to react to it and blocks it out of bounds. And it's just like, why did you make that harder than it had to be? Just take the e- take what the defense gives you. Take the little 15-foot pull-up. I would like to see him just kind of simplify his game, be more deliberate with what he wants to do with the basketball. One, two, dribble, pull-up, get to the rim, lay it up. Like, don't... Uh, I feel like he's been kind of trying to chase flash plays instead of just keeping it simple. Just keep it simple. Um, and, and I think that'll benefit him. He, you know, as much crap as people give him, Jordan Poole could learn something from Bradley Beal if he were to go and watch something. He would give you some of the easiest 30, 40 point games ever by just doing simple drives to the rim oh, off handoffs and pull up mid-range jumpers and just spot three-point shots like it doesn't have to be anything difficult and i understand like you want to be your own person bring your own flavor to the table but at some point man like you can learn uh, a lot from some of the guys who are some of the best bucket scorers in the league because it's simple when kevin durant scores and i know it's a difference between being 611 who can dribble and 63 but it's simple sometimes you just need to do simple things so I think he, he just, again, like you said, dumb it down a little bit. You, you're trying too hard to impress. You could impress us by playing basketball the right way and not being an inefficient shot chucker. That's how you can impress this fan base. And people didn't like Bradley Beal because of the player. I mean, a lot of people were frustrated with his like ability and the clutch and whatnot. But that was really it because usually when he was 100% healthy, he was one of the, the best scorers that we've seen in a Wizards jersey for a long time and one of the most competitive players. So, um, I mean, the back-to-back 30 kind of speak for itself. Like, yes. like you said, like it came on very simple moves. He had go-to moves that you knew he was going to – you knew it was coming, but you couldn't stop it. He had almost no see, bag. Yeah, like it, it, wasn't like it wasn't like he was Kyrie out there, like – he just knew how to get to a spot and get the shot off that he wanted. And I would like to see Poole kind of implement that. But I think it's going to take some some rest of this, this season and an off season, you know, working with guys on that to kind of dumb his game down. Um, still keeping that flash, but just be more deliberate with your moves, man. Like, you don't need to do three in and outs, queen, queen, step, side, step, fade. Like, just just get to the spot. Just get to the spot. You quick enough with the ball, you can get to a spot and just beat a guy there and get your shot off. Um, and, and and I think he'll be a more efficient player doing that. And I think for me too, at least, and a lot of people have been saying it, but I think for him specifically and some of these other younger players, I think that they need to go and try and get a former player as head coach. Like I, I would be hitting up Stackhouse, Karan Butler by the end of the season and saying, Hey, what's it going to take for you to come coach this team? Because we need it. Do, do you, do you think that Jordan Poole would have a change of mindset in his play? If he had Karan Butler in his ear all the damn time, bitching at him at practice, bring in Rajon Rondo as an assistant, something. Some of them coaches, man. Yeah. Stackhouse guys like that. They don't play, man. Uh, I wonder if Poole has the temperament for that type of coaching, but I'm here for it. Uh, Sam Cassell is probably another name, too. You know, former point guard. Some of that stuff Jordan Poole be trying, I know he ain't going to rock with. So <laughs> uh, that would be interesting. I, I wouldn't be opposed, um, but that would be yet another adjustment, you know. 
So uh, it would be interesting. But I, I do think even even if they brought in an assistant, somebody needs to kind of get to him and show him, hey, there's an easier way for you to get this shot off. Uh, yeah, you know, because he has natural ability. There's no way you watch him and you say, "Oh, he thinks he ain't he ain't got no game for real." It's 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 really his decision making that's the question, and you got to get a coach in there that can kind of tap into that and, and and simplify the game for him. And I I think you know the assistant coach thing was a little bit overblown, and the only and I'm not saying that these aren't a good good assistant coaches that we brought in. What I'm saying is for a player, if assistant coaches keep telling you to do this and that, but you know you're not going to come off the floor, what's the incentive for you to change your game? Yeah, yeah that's true. That is true. And again, I'm not going to act like I know what goes on in practice. I don't know what Wes says to these guys in, in the film room and whatnot, but whatever he says, there certainly isn't any accountability for anything that goes on when it comes to game time. Because well, he throws out the say, same. you know, this Detroit this Pistons game, who wasn't playing well, and they closed out with him on the bench. I don't know. Maybe that's a maybe that's a <laughs> a step in that direction where West is starting to hold everybody on the floor accountable for what they're doing um, instead of just a couple players here and there. You know, uh, so we'll see, we'll see. But but like I said, I'm I'm willing to give Poole some grace here because like I said, he's 24 and it's a whole new situation. It's just like, it's just like when you start a new job, you got a 90 day probationary period. Um, the, the, the employee that you are the first 90 days is not the employee that you are that if you've been, you know, with the company five plus years. So, right. you know, we got to give it a little bit of time, man. give it a little bit of time. For sure. Um, and I think that's a good place to leave it off today. Uh, I want to thank you guys for taking the time to listen to another episode again. Sorry that we didn't get to you guys uh, more the, the past couple weeks, just a little bit busy and schedules wonky with the holiday weekend and whatnot. But I appreciate you guys tuning in and listening to us as always. Again, subscribe if you aren't. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you soon.